Act Two of Daniel Drew's Blacksmith by W. S. Gilbert. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Two. Scene: The interior of a picturesque old forge. The forge is open at the back, and Drew's cottage is seen through opening. There is a path off. Daniel Drews, a hearty-looking old man of sixty-four, is discovered hammering lustily at a piece of red-hot iron on his anvil. Daniel, laying down his hammer. Phew, that job's done, eh? But I'm that breathed surely. Why, Daniel Drews, if thou worked out like this at twelve o' noon, it's time you thought of getting a partner into the old forge. But somehow the forge fire seems to strike hotter than a yore, and the iron of today takes more hammering than the iron of thirty year ago. Maybe I'm growing old. Well, a body can't hope to live sixty-four a year and leave off a young'un after all. Twouldn't be fair on the boys, no, nor the gals neither. Eh, Dorothy? Enter Dorothy, running. Oh, father, thou should see the green by Rabbi's end. The village is brave with banners and garlands. I have helped to deck it, father, and Master Maynard, the constable, is mounted on an ale-cask to receive Sir Jasper Combe, who should pass on his way to Combe Raven in half an hour, and the band of music hath arrived from Norwich, and there all on ale-cask too, and they are to play stirring music while the constable readeth an address to his worship. It is a merciful provision, Dorothy, lest the address be heard. So Sir Jasper will be here in half an hour, eh? Yes, and I long to see him. I have heard that he is a grave gentleman of goodly presence and beyond measure kindly. He is a righteous landlord too, so folks say, and giveth largely to the poor. He is needed in these parts, for the poor were sorely used by the late squire. I shall be right glad to welcome him. But... Wearily. I'll not go to Raby's end to do it. Sits on stool. Art thou wearied, father? Growing old, lass, growing old. It's one of those blessings that Alice comes to him that waits long enough. But I don't grumble, Dorothy. If old age will leave me strength enough to pull at a pipe and empty a tankard, two things thou canst not do for me, Dorothy. Why, that's all I ask. My lass can do the rest. As I have been to thee, so will I be to the end. There's no saying, Dorothy. Thou'rt comely, lass, and maybe, ere long, some smart young lad will whip thee from my arms and carry thee away to t'other side of the sunrise. There's more'n one within a mile o' this who would give his right arm to do it now. Nay, thou art unkind. Did I not tend thee when thou wast hale and strong, and shall I desert thee now that thou hast most need of me? Daniel, with emotion. My lass, heaven knows I never needed thee more than when thou wast left at my hut fourteen years since. But I've news to gladden thee. Thine old playmate, Geoffrey Wynyard, is returned from sea and is now on his road from Norwich to see thee. Geoffrey returned? Oh, I am right glad. Oh, indeed, father, I am right glad. Truly thou hast brought me fair news. And is he well? And hath he prospered? Aye, and growed out a knowledge. He was but a long-legged lad when he left, but he's a man now, 
and a goodly one, I warrant thee. See to him when he cometh, for he'll bide here with us. After a pause. My darling, thou'lt never leave me? Never while I live. God bless thee, my child. Kisses her and exit. Geoffrey returned, and Geoffrey a stalwart mariner, and grown to man's estate. I can scarce believe it. Of a truth, I could weep for very joy. I was but a child when he left, and now I am seventeen. Geoffrey loved children. It may be that he will be displeased with me now that I am a woman. I am rejoiced that I am decked in my new gown. It is more seemly than the russet in which methinks I did look pale. Geoffrey, a man, my old playmate, a man. Pity that I have not my new shoes, for they are comely, but they do compress my feet and so pain me sorely. Nevertheless, I will put them on, for it behoveth a maiden to be neatly apparelled at all seasons. Enter Geoffrey. Mistress Dorothy. Dorothy, turning, she starts. Geoffrey! Oh, Geoffrey! She rushes towards him. Mistress Dorothy, I am right glad to hold thy little hand once more. I have had this moment in view for many, many months. And I too, Master Geoffrey, and oh, I am indeed rejoiced. How thou art grown. A woman, by my right hand, a very woman. Yes, Master Geoffrey, I am a woman now. And a fair one, Mistress Dorothy. She turns. Nay, it is but truth, and truth is made to be told. May I not say that thou art fair? Yes, Master Geoffrey, if thou thinkest so in good sooth. In good sooth I do. It is strange to be back in the old village again after three years of blue water. And yet it seems but yesterday that we tossed hay together in the five-acre field. I think the time must speed more swiftly with those who seek their fortunes in distant lands, for though I have been happy and full of content, yet it seemeth more than three years since thy departure. Yet barely three years have gone. Dorothy, sighing. It seemeth more. The time hath sped with me despite the long night watches and the never-ending days of a calm tropical sea. For no hour is so long with that I can fill it with thoughts of thee, Mistress Dorothy. I am rejoiced to know this, for my mind has often dwelt on thy fortunes. Many a time, when the old forge rocked in the wintry gale, my heart has been sad for thee, and I have lain awake weeping and praying for... for... For me? For all who go down to the sea in ships. In truth, if the sea had no other charm, I would be a sailor, that I might have thy prayers, Mistress Dorothy. Nay, but if it consisted with thy duty to abandon thy perilous calling and bide here with us for ever... My poor prayers would still be thine, Master Geoffrey, but thou lovest the sea. Sighing. All sailors love the sea. It is strange, for the sea is cold and cruel and fierce, and many brave men are yearly swallowed up of it. Dorothy, I love the sea dearly. There is but one love that is stronger in my heart, one love for which I would yield it up forever and ever. Dear Dorothy, I have loved thee, boy and man, for ten years past, and I shall love thee, come what may, through my life. 
I came here today to tell thee this. I thought how to say it, but all that I thought of is gone. It's my heart that's speaking now and not my tongue. Bear with me, Dorothy, the every hope of my life, every waking and sleeping dream of ten years past, is in the words I'm speaking now. Oh, Geoffrey, Geoffrey, I know not what to say. Fear not for thy father, for I will quit the sea. Sir Jasper has offered to make me his secretary, and that is why I have come. But say nay, and I must needs go to sea again. Oh, Geoffrey, let me think, let me think. Do I love thee? I cannot say. It may be that I do, and yet... Thou must not go to sea. Oh, I have given no thought to it. Truly thou art dear to me, for I am rejoiced when thou comest, and I am sorely grieved when thou goest. Is that love? Dorothy, let us inquire into this. Right willingly, for if I love thee I would fain know it, that I might gladden thine heart by telling thee so. Then attend to me, sweetheart, while I paint a picture for thee. We will suppose that I have given up the sea, that I have bought a little farm near at hand, and that I have come to live here, close to thee and thy father, for the rest of my life. Canst thou see the picture I am painting? Aye, it is a pleasant picture. Living here, close to thee, I naturally see thee very often. Dorothy pleased. Every day. Twice, maybe thrice a day, for my horses need much shoeing, and I always bring them to the forge myself. Is that pleasant? Very pleasant, and on Sabbath thou takest me to church? Aye, save only when some other village gallant is beforehand with me and offers to escort thee thither, and in such case I am fain to take farmer such one's daughter instead. Nay, that were needless, for I would have no other escort than thou. Yet it behooves one to be neighbourly, and if farmer such a one says to me, Come and see Susan, for she's lonely and wants cheering. Susan? That's the farmer's daughter. Is she fair? Very fair. What then? Why then, thou wouldst not go. Geoffrey, slyly. And wherefore not? Wherefore not? Oh, well, wherefore not indeed? Go to Susan if thou wilt, Geoffrey. It is not for me to hinder thee. Well, then, I would not go. And so we live on, happy, very, very happy, for, say, a year. But a change is at hand. My crops fail, my cattle die, and one evil night my homestead is burnt to the ground, and I am penniless. Oh! So there is nothing for it but to go to sea again, for three long years. No, no, Geoffrey, oh no! The time of parting draws near. A few weeks, a few days, a few hours. These few hours we have passed in silence, sitting hand in hand, thou and I. There are tears in my eyes, though I strive to check them, and there are sad thoughts in thine heart also. Well, at last the horse is at the door, and it is time to go. I am at thy porch, one foot in stirrup, one hurried Godspeed, and I am gone. Oh, no, no, Geoffrey, I cannot bear it. Months pass by and no news of me. The village seems blank at first without me. 
the walks to church seemed long and lonely and the evening sad and cheerless at last come tidings of a wrecked ship and heart beats quickly for the name of the ship is the name of mine of all the crew but one man is saved and that man's name is not geoffrey winyard for geoffrey has gone down to his death in the dark waters dorothy rising throwing her arms around him no no geoffrey be silent i cannot bear it i cannot bear it i cannot bear it have mercy for i cannot bear it and dost thou love me dorothy bashfully hiding her head in his bosom oh geoffrey pause art thou happy there dorothy passing happy and thou passing happy he places a ring on her finger oh geoffrey what is this a ring that i have brought thee from venice where there are cunning workers in such matters let it stay there in earnest of another ring of plainer workmanship that is not beyond the craft of our english goldsmiths to fashion but i know not if i may wear it it is a vanity but it is very beautiful see how it shineth oh pity i may not wear it for in truth it is very beautiful thou hast a silver chain with thy mother's locket on thy neck wear it on thy chain would it be a vanity if it is concealed beneath thy kerchief nay for none will know of it withdraws a silver locket from her bosom see the clasp will not hold them both stay the locket shall be thine and thy ring shall take its place detaches locket and gives it to him he kisses her enter daniel drews they stand confused daniel after a pause sighs deeply ah, tell me about it my pretty master daniel i no lad no not from thee i'd liefer hear it from my pretty dorothy going to him and putting her arms round his neck dear father geoffrey hath told me that he loveth me and would fain take me to be his wife ay ay lass go on he loveth me very dearly father and will quit the sea to bide with us here go on he loveth me so dearly that it would sadden his life if i were to wed with another well so dear father as i would not cause him sorrow i will not wed with another hiding her face on his shoulder so soon so soon nay hang there a bit longer my lass for thou'rt all i have and thou'rt going from me o'er soon and of thine own free will dorothy ah dorothy the hope and stay of my poor old life my saving angel my saving angel it's hard to part with thee dorothy he will not love thee as i love thee with an effort i'm but a thankless man it was to be and twould better fit me to rejoice that thou hast found a brave and honest man to tend thee when i am gone get thee within and dry thine eyes i'll do thy weeping for thee dorothy exit dorothy into the cottage it's come sudden my lad it's come sudden and i don't rightly know how to shift without her she's been more than life to me dolly has 
I was a hard and bitter man when she was left with me, fourteen years since, for I'd been cruelly warped, cruelly warped. But when things are at their worst, like as not thou mend. And from the time my darling was sent to me, by a miracle as then I thought, for I'd been brought up among folk to see a miracle in most everything, a change crept over me, and bit by bit my cruel old heart growed soft again. I was a foul-tongued fellow then, but I couldn't swear a foreign angel come straight from heaven. I was cruel and hard, but I couldn't sit glaring at mankind with her little arms round my neck and her soft cheek again my wicked old face. Then it come about that Dolly must be taught her Bible, but I had no Bible, so with a shamefaced lie on my tongue, I borrowed a good book, and we spelled it out together. And then is the time as the old half-forgotten words come back to me, bit by bit, and I called to mind when I first learned I'm a child, I laid my head down on the book and wept like a woman. And as it was for me, God help me, to teach her right from wrong, I learned as I taught, and the light come to us together, the old man and the little child, and as she growed in knowledge, my right self growed in strength, and such as I am, hale, hearty and happy, living by the sweat of my brow, owing no man, fearing none, and loving all, why, she has made me, God bless her. And thou hast never seen her father since? No, though for years I never passed a strange face, but I peered into it, for I knowed every line of his, though I never heard his name, knowed it. Why, it burned in my eyeballs, so that I see it in the dark, I seed it everywhere, I seed it in the forge, and be sure I raked it out. I seed it red-hot on my anvil, and be sure I hammered with a will. After a while, but it was a weary while, the thought came that mayhap he had perished in the gale, so I thought less about it, and Dolly seemed more like my own. Yet the old fear comes back, odd times, and, oh, Geoffrey, it's like enough she'll be taken from me yet. Enter Dorothy from Cottage O father, a gentleman whose horse hath cast a shoe hath need of thy services in the yard. A gentleman, eh? It is Master Reuben Haynes, Sir Jasper's bailiff. He passed this way twice to prepare for Sir Jasper's arrival, but that was when thou wast away at Norwich. And what manner of man is he? A strange man, full of unmeaning jests, who maketh faces at me which doth fright me much, and he rolleth his eyes in a manner fearful to behold. A town fashion, Dolly, who knows? <laughs> Take no heed of his faces, make him welcome, for there's no foreseeing it may serve us one day to stand well with the bailiff. Come, Geoffrey, and lend me a hand. I'll see to his horse. Geoffrey kisses Dorothy and exit with Daniel. Enter Reuben in riding dress from cottage. Good morrow, pretty mistress Dorothy. We have not forgotten one another, I see. And how is time sped with thee since I saw thee last? Has it crept 
crawled, drooled, dragged, and dawdled for lack of a certain merry old man who whiled away a certain half hour with thee two months since, with curious quip, quaint retort, and surprising conundrum. Dost thou remember that half hour, Dorothy? I do. In the course of it I said many rare things to thee, complimentary and insinuating things of amatory significance and connubial import, neatly disguised, or, as one may say, embalmed in an outer husk of delicate epigram. And thou didst listen. Ye gods, how thou didst listen. I love a good listener. Sir, I do indeed remember your coming, but as for your sayings, I was silent, for I understood them not. Is, is Sir Jasper at hand? Enter Daniel Drews, unobserved, at back. He will be here anon. Some village clowns are plaguing him with an address, a scurvy long one, and written very false jingle. I heard the first lines thereof. It began, Sir Jasper Coombe, to welcome you, we do as much as we can do. Here live and die, to house and tomb, we welcome you, Sir Jasper Coombe. It did so move me to laughter, that Sir Jasper, who asked no sense of the ridiculous, did order me to ride on. But I doubt not that even he is laughing heartily thereat by this time. Daniel, who has heard the last few lines. Nay, sir, but if Sir Jasper deserve all that men say of him, he will scarcely hold in scorn that which poor humble folks have written his praise. Reuben to Dorothy. Who is this old gentleman? I am Daniel Druce, no gentleman, but a hard-working blacksmith, very much at your honour's service. Looking at him. I was away when you last come to the village, yet I think I've seen your honour's face. It is very like. It is a striking face. I don't like it myself, but others do, so I yield to the majority. It is a good face. I cannot recall where I have seen it. It signifieth not. Thou wilt have plenty of time to study it for thou wilt see it every quarter-day whilst thou livest. Despite its inherent goodliness, it will come to be a face of evil significance to thee, speaking, as it will, of raised rents, rapid distraint, and uncompromising ejection. I am a punctual tenant, sir, and I fear no man. Dorothy, draw this gentleman's mail while I look to his horse. Exit. And take thy time, for we are very well thus, eh, Dorothy? Dorothy going. Nay, do not go. I never eat the ale. I'd rather take a long look at thy pretty face than a long pull at thy village brew. The one is sweet, I know. The other is sour, I swear. Come hither, Dorothy. Nay, sir, I... I have news to tell thee, Dorothy. Thou art a kind of wife of mine, 
for I have, in a manner, married thee, intellectually and reflectively, or, as one may say, in a mental or moral sense, have I married thee. I have, as it were, invented thee as my wife, and the invention is none the less mine, because a scurvy mechanic, to wit the parson, has not yet hammered in the rivets. Aside. A quip. Sir, I do not rightly understand thy talk, but it seemeth to me that thou makest jest of solemn things. Nay, this time I am in earnest. If thou wilt be my wife, I will so call thee, coax thee, cosset thee, court thee, cajole thee, with deftly turned compliment, pleasant whimsy, delicate jest, and tuneful madrigal. I will so pleasantly perplex thee with quaint paradox, entertaining aphorism, false conclusion, and contradiction in terms, I will so edify thee with joyous anecdote, tales of court and camp, tales of love, hate, and intrigue, tales of murder, rapine, and theft, merry tales, sad tales, long tales, short tales, quip, crank, retort, repartee, and rejoinder, that thy wedded life shall seem one never-ending honeymoon. And thou shalt find but one fault with me, that I clog thee with sweets. Takes her round waist. Nay, sir, I pray you remove your hand. Sir, you are unmannerly. I pray you desist. Enter Sir Jasper. Dorothy runs to him. Oh, sir, defend me from this wicked man. Why, Reuben Haynes, thou art at thine old tricks again. At our old tricks, your honour. Harky, sirrah. Let bygones go by. Times are changed with me, as thou knowest well, and if thou valuest thy stewardship, adapt thy morals to those of thy master. If thou sayest or dost aught to anger this gentle maiden, I lay my whip across thy shoulders, as I have done oft times ere this. Reuben aside. We are virtuous now, but time was when we would have angered her in company. Nay, sir, I pray you, bear with him. Reuben aside. She pleadeth for me. Bless her pretty face. She pleadeth for me. Has the rascal, then, found favour in thine eyes? Dorothy aside to Sir Jasper. Oh, no, but whenever he cometh to the forge, he saith such strange things, and looketh at me with such strange looks, that I fear he is sorely afflicted, and not to be held accountable for his deeds. Ha, 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 Why, in truth, I sometimes think so, too. To Reuben. Oh, get thee to the inn, sir. We shall lie there tonight. As for the whipping, why, the maiden's intercession hath saved thee this once. She pleadeth for me. Bless their hearts, they're all alike. They all plead for me. Exit Reuben. And now, pretty maiden, tell me, who art thou? So please, your worship, I am Dorothy Druce, only daughter of Daniel Druce, the blacksmith, and your worship's tenant. 
Jasper looking kindly at her. He's a kind father to thee, I'll be sworn. He is kind to me and to all. In very truth, I think he must be the best man in the whole world. And thou tendest him very carefully? Yes, indeed. I am with him from the rising of the sun to the going down thereof, and we love each other with a love that passeth all telling. Jasper, after a pause. Dorothy, I once had a little child who promised to grow up to be just such a pretty lass as thou, but we we were separated many years ago, and I've never seen her since. Oh, poor gentleman. Poor, indeed, for I declare to thee, Dorothy, that, that I would give all my substance, were it ten times what it is, to have her with me in my old age, but though I have sought her high and low for many a weary year, I found no tidings of her, and so I must needs go on to the end, a solitary old man, uncared for and alone. There's a doleful tale, little Dorothy. Indeed, it is passing sad, and my heart bleeds for your worship. I am even more grieved for thy daughter, who hath lost the fostering care and guidance of so worthy a gentleman. I am sure she would have loved your worship very dearly. Jasper moved. Uh, I know not. It, it may be so, and yes, I showed myself but a careless and unloving father to her when we were parted. But her mother died of grief, and, and I would fain make amends. I would fain make amends. Yes, Dorothy, it would have gone hard with me, but I would have made her love me. Enter Daniel. Who is this good fellow? This is my father of whom I spoke unto your worship. Father, this is Sir Jasper Combe. At your worship's service, Sir Jasper. I've naught to say, sir, but what's been said by better men. Welcome to Coombe Raven. I'll go bail, my Dorothy's said it already. Indeed, as she has given me a very kindly greeting, Master Druce. I was telling thy daughter how I came to be wifeless and childless, and how desolate I am. I envy thee thy good fortune in having so fair a little nurse to cosset thee in thine old age. Take heed, though, that she does not taken from thee, and at a brief notice, too, one of these days. During this speech, Daniel has gradually recognised Sir Jasper. He is stupefied with terror, and staggers back on Anvil. I say, take care, that she be not taken from thee one of these days. Daniel, still stupefied. By whom? Taken from me by whom? Oh, <laughs> never fear me, Donald, by some far younger man than I. Aye, aye, to be married. Ah, uh, maybe, maybe. Father, is odd amiss? Daniel, faintly. No, lass, no. Take no heed of me. Dorothy leading him to stool. My father hath been working in the heat of the day, and he is faint. Yes, I've been working hard. Take no heed of me. I'm better now. I'm an old man, and weaker than oh you are. Take no heed. I'll send thee strong wines that shall put the courage and strength of youth into thine old heart, Donald Bruce. There, there, bear up, man. And Dorothy must come to the hall, Donald. 
Old Bridget shall take good care of her, and I own I should like to see how the old place would shine in the sunlight shed by so fair a little lady. There, be of good cheer, man. I did but jest when I spake of thy daughter leaving thee. Aye, aye, thou didst but jest, hey? Why, to be sure. Aside. To think that those few light words should have so shaken him. Looking at Dorothy. Well, I can understand it. To Daniel, after a pause. Master Juice, I am an old man now, and a very grave and sober old man, too. I had a fair young wife once. She had eyes like thy daughter's eyes. There's a strange whim in my head, but I'm an old man, and... 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 may I kiss thy little daughter? Daniel, much moved. Aye, aye, thou, thou mayst kiss her if thou wilt. Dorothy goes up to Sir Jasper, who kisses her on the forehead. God bless thee, maiden. Uh, Donald Deuce, I thank thee. Exit Sir Jasper. Oh, father, didst thou hear? I am to go to the hall. I have heard that it is a goodly place, as big as a village and bravely decked with velvets and rich silks and pictures and vast mirrors. Oh, I long to see the mirrors. Then the gardens are beyond everything fair to view, and there are deer in the park and a spacious lake, and carriages and horses too. Oh, it must be brave to live in so fair a place. Daniel, in a broken voice. Why, Dorothy, these things are but vanities. Oh, Dorothy, my darling, be content with thy lot. Nay, father, but indeed I envy not Sir Jasper. I grieve to think how solitary the poor gentleman must be, all alone in so vast a house, with neither wife nor child to solace him in his old age. Did he tell thee of his child? I, speaking gravely, yet kindly, as of a sorrow still unhealed. But when he told me how he lost the maiden many years ago, and how he has vainly sought her ever since, my heart yearned to him, for the tears glistened in his eyes. Methinks a daughter must needs love such a father, for he is a noble gentleman. Nay, thou knowest him not. He did not deal rightly by the girl. He left her to perish, to perish, Dolly, that he might save his own life. He is rightly served. The sins of his youth are visited upon him in his old age. It is just, it is just. I would not have quitted thee, my child, my child. In truth, I am very sure of that. I cannot think there is in this world peril or necessity so dire as to part us twain. Thou never leave me, Dolly? Never. Come what may? Come what may. He kisses her. Exit Dorothy. Daniel, looking after her. Oh, it's hard, Arthur, so long, for the heart of my body is not so dear to me as yon poor little girl. Oh, Dolly, it cannot be right. It cannot be right. Thou'st taken to me as a father. If thou wast my own flesh and blood, thou couldst not be dearer to me, nor I to thee. And now, Arthur, so long... Cannot be right. Enter Geoffrey. Why, Master Druce, thou hast tears in thine eyes. 
I, lad, and cause for him in my heart. Geoffrey, there's a heavy blow come on me. I, I told thee of the cruel, thankless father who left my girl with me, my Dorothy, thy Dorothy. Yes? I, I have seen him, Geoffrey. Here, here, I have seen him, him as thou'rt here to meet. That's Dolly's father. Sir Jasper? Impossible. Yes, I tell thee, t'was him. He didn't know me, but I knowed him. Geoffrey, my only hope lies with thee. Thou must wed Dorothy, I at once too. He cannot take her from thee. And we will all go hence to a place of safety tomorrow, tomorrow. Geoffrey, after a pause, Master Drews, thou art a tender hearted, right doing man, and it's not for a boy like me to shape thy course. Why, what dost thou mean? If this man, Sir Jasper Combe, is indeed her father. Her father? He cast her from him, he left her to perish. Her father, heaven had given him the richest treasure that heaven can give, and he flung it into my lap as he'd fling a coin to a beggar. The trust that he forsook, I took up. The child that he plucked from his bosom, I took to mine. There let it bide, Geoffrey Winyard, there let it bide. Yet bethink thee, the poor lone gentleman hath paid a bitter price for his wickedness, and though he did a cruel and reckless thing in abandoning her, yet grief and penitence have wrought a great change in him, and the laws of heaven and of man give him a right over her that none may gainsay. And have I earned no right in these fourteen years? Why, think what she is to me, what we are to each other. She has vouchsafed me her love, and for it I kneel down and worship her. She has turned my heart to man, and for it I kneel down and worship her. She has shown me the truth, and for it I kneel down and worship her. We are life and death, body and soul, all in all to each other. And now thou wouldst have me say to this unworthy man, Here is the daughter thou didst abandon in thy peril. For fourteen years I have rid her as mine own, but as thou didst beget her, so take her. I did but hold her in trust for thee, that thou mightst reclaim her when it seemed good to thee to do so. It might be that this is my duty, Geoffrey Winyard. But I cannot do it. I cannot do it. Thy case is a hard one. It is not for me to judge. Thou hast rightly said it is not for thee to judge. Moreover, bethink thee thou lovedst her. If this man, her father, reclaims her, he will take her from thee and raise her to a station as far above thine as thine is above hers. Art thou so sure that Sir Jasper is indeed her father? That's true, that's very true. I know not that he is her father. I cannot tell that. We judge men by their deeds, Geoffrey, not their words. And he may have lied. Come, that's well thought of, Geoffrey. But we'll go hence, Dolly and I. No one shall know. 
Thou shalt join us later, and when thou and she are married, and he cannot take her from thee, why, then, maybe we'll... O oh, Geoffrey, thou wilt not betray me, thou wilt not betray her. Promise me that. I promise. Daniel turns. Remember, Geoffrey, thou'st promised. Exit. In truth, I am in a sore strait. For Sir Jasper is a man of proud blood, who would laugh to scorn such humble love as mine. And, oh, Dorothy, if thou art taken from me, why, my life may go too. And if I cannot yield thee up, how can I ask him to do so? Oh, Daniel Drews, Daniel Drews, my heart is with thine in this thing, and I'll keep thy secret, never fear. Enter Reuben. Why, whom have we here in Dorothy's house? A whelp, a very whelp, cur or puppy, to be beckoned to, whistled to, frowned at, scowled at, whipped with whips, beaten with sticks, and slapped with the flat of the hand. Your servant, sir, who are you? Why, sir, I am an old horse soldier. And yet not so very old neither, but that I can wield a quarter-staff, or give the Cornish fling as well as another. No mere trooper neither, but a sergeant of horse, if you please, and one that hath cut his way through war's intestine as a hot knife cuts butter. One who has so snicked, chipped, chopped, slashed, cut, drilled, and carbonated with sword, with pistolet, with mace, with arquebus, with petronel, and with what not, that he'd make no more of passing a rapier through that boy's body of thine than of spitting a penny herring. And now, sir, who are you? Why, sir, I am a sailor, and I hate brag. Come, come, civil words, young master, lest we quarrel. And when I quarrel, sextons lay in tolling grease and grave-diggers stripped to their work. Dost thou know this Daniel Druce? I do. A comfortable old man, as they tell me, and one who can portion his pretty Dorothy. Pretty Dorothy and I are very good friends. She listens when I talk, which many won't. Geoffrey makes an angry gesture. And talking of pretty Dorothy, we have here a bauble or locket, or, as one may say, a trinket that belongeth to her. I'll go bail. Picking up locket, which Geoffrey dropped. Sir, that locket is mine. It is very like, it is very like, yet for that I have but thy word. I care for no man's word, nah, not even for mine own, for though it is as good as another's, yet it is worth nothing. If this trinket be thine, describe it with circumstance, and I will give it up to thee. Enter Daniel unperceived. He listens in great agitation. It is fashioned like a heart, and bears an inscription, to the best loved of all, and it is dated seventeen years since. 
It is a love token, sir, and I desire you to yield it up without further parley. Reuben, who has recognized it. Why, surely I should know this trinket well. From whom did you receive it? Geoffrey, taking it from him. That is a question that I have no will to answer. It is a token of betrothal. Let that suffice. But that don't suffice. Do you know who I am? I am bailiff to Sir Jasper Coombe. Sir Jasper Coombe? Aye, and I recognise that locket as one that he placed about the neck of his missing daughter the very day he abandoned her. Come, sir, from whom did you receive it? It is a love token, a token of betrothal. To whom are you betrothed? Geoffrey much agitated. I decline to say. Enter Dorothy at back. Daniel stops her and motions her to be silent. They both listen together. Shall I hazard a conjecture or guess? Thou art here making free in the blacksmith's forge. The blacksmith hath a daughter. Her name is Dorothy. Shall we say that it is to Dorothy that thou art betrothed? Geoffrey, with an effort to speak unconcernedly, what? Dorothy Drews? No, no, Master Bailiff, not Dorothy Drews. Dorothy expresses surprise and pain. And yet I noticed that when I spoke lightly of her, thou didst start in anger, and flush up in a fashion ridiculous to behold. I have the eye of a hawk. Geoffrey, confused. Oh, uh, for that... It is true that I have laughed and jested with Dorothy, but you know we sailors have a special license for such love frolics. We mean nothing by them. It is said of us that we have a wife in every port. Well, that's a slander, but at least I'll plead guilty to a sweetheart in every village. Dorothy weeps on Daniel's bosom. Huh. Thou art a shameless young reprobate by thy own showing. It will go hard, but Sir Jasper will elicit the truth. We shall meet again. Exit Reuben. Daniel and Dorothy come forward, Daniel trembling with rage, Dorothy weeping. So, Geoffrey Winyard, the blow that is to bring me to my grave has been dealt by thine hand. The secret which was thine and mine has been revealed by thee. O oh, thief of more than heart and gold, O oh, slayer of more than human life, are there no laws to fit such crime as thine? Father, father, heard him not. Master Drews, indeed, I, I knew not. Thou knewest not. Will there be more mercy in this man's heart, because thou knewest not? Will the last years of my poor old lonely life be less desolate, because thou knewest not? Oh, father, father, what sayest thou? Nay, girl, stop me not. Taking up a hammer. Geoffrey Winyard, there are injuries that laws can measure, and laws are made for them. There are injuries that no laws can measure, and we am we deal ourselves, and wreak our vengeance we our own right hands. To Dorothy, who interposes. 
Stand aside, girl. I'm a weak old man, but there's devil enough in me to deal with such as him. Dorothy, kneeling, holds his arm. No, no, father, yield not to thy wrath. He hath denied me, he hath dealt lightly with my love, and there's an end. Oh, harm him not, harm him not. Pardon him, even as I pardon him, and let him depart in peace. Daniel, with a violent effort to be calm. Ay, ay, thou recallest me to myself. He hath dealt lightly with thy love. And there's an end. Heed not the words I spake. They were empty words and had no meaning. Heed them not. Geoffrey Winyard, thou hast spoken lightly of my child. Thou hast denied her who gave thee her heart. It was ill done. Quit my roof and let me see thee no more. I, I pardon thee. Go. Master Jews. Have pity, for my tongue is tied. I, I... I may not speak. Go. Dorothy, one word. Hear what I have to say. Dorothy, with an effort. Geoffrey, thou hast denied me. I love thee, but thou must go. Geoffrey goes out sadly. When he has gone, Dorothy falls sobbing at Daniel's feet. My child, my child. Music. End of Act Two.